Welcome back indeed, episode number 53, Rasball Fantasy Basketball Podcast Sun Edition. I am joined by the illustrious Joel, as always. What's going on, my man? I'm doing okay over here. Happy early Thanksgiving to you, Yeah, to you, to you as well. Um, everyone go check out the site, Rasball. Joel did a, wrote a really fantastic piece on Scotty Barnes, um, not just from a fantasy perspective, but uh, from a literary perspective as well. Um, it was well written. Uh, I enjoyed reading it. So I think, uh, uh, you guys will enjoy that. So, you know, go check that out. Um, it's going to be a little different format, uh, this, for this particular pod, um, you know, at nighttime, like I go on these like nightly walks, like I, you know, I, I work and then sitting on the chair for all those hours, like I'm trying to get some exercise. So I usually walk like an hour or so at nighttime. And just think about stuff and random stuff. So I had some, you know, over the past week, you know, there were some things that I was thinking about and I just kind of like want to get off my chest in a way, I guess. So it'll be like a uh, a therapy session for me, I guess, in the beginning. And after that, uh, Joel's going to take over and kind of uh, be the captain of the ship. So, um, you know, you know, actually, it's an excellent segue because your piece on Scotty Barnes, you know, was talking about ships and, and things like that. So. You know, the universe is a beautiful thing. It all ties in together. Uh, it's awesome. But all right, before we get down to actual business, let's take care of uh, real life business. Um, Thrive Fantasy, shout out to them. They are our sponsor. So come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is the daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that had the biggest impact of the game. Choose 10 out of the 20 available props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 100,000 guaranteed in prizes for the NFL uh, NBA season. There's a promo code, RASBALL. When you sign up today, you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store by visiting the website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Oh, the most important news actually for this pod is that uh, Joel and I we both got microphones. Oh so, man! You know, we, like we are truly big time now. Um, it's been an unbelievable journey, you know, for the the uh, the, the five or so uh, listeners. Uh, you guys have been with us from the genesis of our <laughs> of our pod and experience. So you know, now we got a sponsor. We both got mics, and it's uh, unbelievable. We big time now, Joel. Yeah, I mean it's uh, we're we're coming for Joe Rogan and and we'll be there soon, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, for sure. All right, so let me just get into my my little I guess therapeutic rant in the beginning, and then uh, it'll be all yours. So usually I like to highlight some just some random stats, um, but today I kind of wanted to just you know, like I said, been taking a lot of walks, been doing a lot of thinking. And uh, especially after last week's pod, because it was more about process over results. And, um, you know, I was getting a little little down, you know, recently, actually, you know, looking at my teams. You know, there's a few in contention, but there's a lot of shitty teams, too. Right. And, you know, I remember Rocco, like he wrote something on Twitter, like, um, you know, how do you evaluate your teams right now? Because, you know, there's injuries. Uh, and, you know, there's this thing, you know, player performances, underperformance, overperformance. And, you know, the sample size is still small, right? Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, uh, there have been quite a few games. So, you know, there's, you can't dismiss 
the early season, but yet at the same time, you cannot, you know, put too much of an emphasis on that. You know, now with that said, um, there's always things to be gleaned, you know, both good and bad. And, you know, I felt like coming into this year, like my process definitely improved and, and tightened up. Um, and, you know, I mean, I try not to focus too much on results and I kind of alluded to that last week's pod, but at the same time, you know, you cannot dismiss them because there are things to be learned. And, you know, the thing that I realized just kind of thinking about things and, and just, I guess, meditating on, on things is that, you know, I realized that my foundation, especially for, for her hoops, isn't yet rock solid. You know, I mm-hmm. remember over the summer, you know, working with Wong and just kind of seeing like his process, what he focuses on, what he thinks about, um, you know, was, was pretty illuminating to me. And then, you know, like he challenged me on a lot of, on, on quite a few things, or he didn't understand that why I wasn't doing certain things or whatnot. And, um, you know, it kind of like, not shook me, but was like, you know, I just realized that like when he challenged me and I was so easily influenced to change because, you know, my, you know, my, my foundation wasn't rock solid. It was kind of more built on sand on a lot of things, you know, and, you know, it's that kind of showed that like I wasn't on that particular level, even though like I felt like I improved a lot, you know, that like that really exposed a lot of things, right, for my process and my thinking and, and where I am as kind of like a, a fantasy hoops player, you know, and, you know, I just looking back on the baseball season, like Rudy and I, we co-managed uh, online championship, you know, team. And, you know, in the beginning, uh, we were kind of middling and we were both kind of talking about it, like oh, we're behind here. These guys are not, you know, performing up to expectations. And, you know, I think it made it easier because he's so analytical and he had all the sheets and the projections. So that makes it easier. So we were both kind of looking at things and we're like, yeah, you know, like some of these players are not performing up to expectations. And so, you know, we, we weren't, we didn't panic at all, you know, because we figured it's a fab league. So, we, you know, we knew that we were going to be able to fab our way into stuff. And we, we felt very confident with that. But then we also felt confident in like some of the guys were like, yeah, like we should be able to hit these particular targets. So, you know, we, our foundation was super rock solid. And so we never really wavered, you know, just emotionally and all that stuff. And, you know, by the end of the season, we ended up winning that league, you know. So I just remember the the differences in terms of mentality and, and I guess, perspective and, and emotional, um, I guess, status of where I was during the baseball season, like through that whole process and kind of where I'm at now, you know. And like I said before, like it just the, the spread between the two experiences, it really shows like what a huge difference it is. And like, I guess, you know, where I am as kind of like a fantasy hoops player, you know, like I've, you know, talked about it in the past, like my journey, you know, like just basically like in terms of getting really serious, you know, I mean, I tried to start learning to do projections maybe, you know, two, three years ago, maybe something like that. And just mm-hmm. kind of just evolving and, and just trying to do all that stuff. So, you know, like I've made, you know, I feel like a lot of progress, but I know like I'm still not at that level where I want to be, you know? So, you know, that kind of, you know, got me to like thinking about like my trading career too. And there was like, you know, the, like life and universe is really funny because like a lot of things intersect. Like you can, in like one aspect of like lessons and things gleaned from it can be applied to other aspects of life too, 
and like you know a lot of times i get i think like you know as mankind like we glean so much from like the world of nature right like even flying like we looked up we saw birds flying we're like oh shit you know we can do that or like you know like like you know i always think of it like militarily right like we mm-hmm. glean, we you know submarines right like Dude, you know, dudes saw like you know, alligators or whatnot, like going, right? The, how they stealthily creep up on a wildebeest, and you know, they're like, oh shit! Like if we could develop a weapon like that, right? Like, you know, like airplanes, and you know, I think, but you know, the point remains: it's like, you know, life is very interconnected, like that, you know, and like, you know, I just kind of go back to my training experience. Like I remember in the beginning, like, granted, my style in the beginning was very price oriented, mm. um, but. You know, as time, as markets kind of evolved and strategies evolved, like, you know, I realized, like, I would get whipsawed a lot, you know, because I was so dependent on price. And, you know, those are my new things, my new price actions. And, like, there's so much noise that goes into that, that, like, like yeah, like, if, you're, if your thesis or your reason for being in a trade is not very strong, like, it's based on kind of flimsy reasons, like you're, you, there's gonna be no conviction, and you're just gonna get fucking whipped back and forth. But then once you know, I kind of took a step back and like was a little more macro oriented, uh, where I wasn't, you know, a, not oblivious, but I wasn't as dependent upon like those price movements. Like where like I kind of had to zoom out and look at like really dig into like figure out a reason and a thesis for for putting on a trade. Mm. Once like I got to that point, then it's like. You know, these little minute, you know, moves in price action, whether it be up or down, they didn't, like, I was, yeah, they, they really didn't phase me. You know, as long as, like, the reason for my trade, like, stay was there, and as long as, like, new information wasn't presented that made me to force my, you know, trade, I was able to write out, you know, trends and write out trades better. And I feel like it's kind of like a pretty good, I guess, correlation to, I guess, where I want to get to in terms of fantasy hoops, I guess, right? Like, and then mm-hmm. I realized, like, you know, I'm not at that level yet, I don't think, you know? And, you know, it, you know we talked about, we talked over the summer and, like, I felt, you know, I was kind of giddy, like a little kid, right? And I, I had a lot of excitement and I felt like yeah. I, made a, I made a lot of progress and a lot of improvement, but, you know, I realized I'm not, I'm not at the level that I want to be. You know, and, you know, it's, that's why, like, I really, you know, maybe sometimes I probably slobber too much over, you know, Rocco and Wong, but, you know, at the same time, like, it really, man, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm amazed, and I have to give them props in terms of, you know, what they do and what they have done, because they've been so consistent, um, you know, I mean, their process is at a level where, they kind of know what they're doing, their vision, and they're able to execute it on a consistent basis, right? And, you know, it kind of gets me to, like, poker, right? Where, and poker and fantasy are very similar in the sense that, like, there's a lot of variance of luck, right? Depends on what two cards you get, what players you get, like, what draft slot you get, injuries, blah, blah, blah. But even with all those variables, the ones that are truly skilled in both poker and fantasy, they're going to be consistently near the top, right? On like you you're gonna see like those are the guys that you're gonna see at the top of the leaderboards on most on most uh, you know leagues and whatnot and you know it's like man you know like i realized like i probably got a little too full of myself too happy of myself right coming into yeah. it and then now is you know i guess the hubris and you know the like you know gotta be i guess the humility right and then like 
anytime you I guess you experience anything you have to go through certain things right you have to experience certain lessons you have to get knocked down right because you know you have to come to the realization like that you know you do not know right and you know until you get to that level and like you know so now like <laughs> in a way it's you know it's kind of not not depressing but it's, it's kind of a you know humility check right because yeah you know, I thought I was on a certain level, but then now I realize, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not at that level. So in a way, it's kind of, it kind of sucks, but at the same time, it's kind of, uh, it kind of, I don't know, it gets me excited in a way, right? Because, because I do realize like, yeah, like there is more I can learn, right? There is yeah. ways I can get better, right? And, you know, so hopefully like, you know, like that was my therapy session, you know, it's uh, just kind of thinking and ranting and, you know, I think, most importantly, like, um, you know, as like, as I, as we talk about stuff and like, as I grow as a player and like, as I experience certain things, you know, hopefully, you know, the people that listen to it, like they can, you know, I don't know, gain access to, you know, information or lessons, right? So they don't have to make the same mistakes. So they don't have to go through that process. So it kind of helps them to be, a, a better fantasy player so i think you know i think like a couple possible we kind of like talked about that in terms of like what we want to do with this pod and that mm -hmm. was kind of more like the direction that i wanted to take so um you know hopefully uh you know and you know like that's why like i kind of laugh sometimes when you know people are like oh you know you're expert or like you because you write you know for certain sites right like you're a quote-unquote expert and like i'm like dude i'm just i'm just a dude you know i'm just just yeah. some dude that's writes and just some guy that's, that's trying to get you know to a certain level but you know realize that i'm definitely not there so i mean hopefully i can get there and hopefully like during that that journey and that process uh, others can learn from it and you know more importantly like you know, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why over the summer I wanted to talk to Jeneki, wanted to talk to Rocco, wanted to talk to Wong and all those guys because, you know, those are the guys that are proven. Like, they have done it, right? And, you know, for them to be able to share their insight and their perspective not only helps me <laughs> to try to be better, right, but I think it helps everybody else. So um, that's my rant. Uh, hopefully, you know, certain you know, people were able to, you know, you know, get some stuff from it. So... Um, all right, so well, I'm done, man. It's all you now, Joel, man. <laughs> I, I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily. All right. um, so one of the things that, I mean, a, a, quite a lot of that resonated with me. Um, but one thing that I'm curious about is what are some of the things that you feel like um, are areas that you've identified as, as not as strong as you'd want them to be? Like you said that you feel like you came in feeling like, um you have this thing sort of more figured out than it turns out that you do so what are those have you identified some of those those areas of like i need to be better at this or this or that i think so um i, I think from a micro perspective i think there's certain things with uh doing the projections that mm. I, I know i can do better um uh, you know just little things like little, little tweaks here and there that i i can do but i think from a more macro perspective um, just being better prepared, right? And, um, you know, like just getting more information, like as much information mm -hmm. as I can and just, you know, preparation because I think, you know, the more information that you have and the more prepared that you are, like, like not only will you be able to, 
uh, I guess, think about things better or on a deeper level and have a better understanding of a lot of things. Um, but, you know, you'll be able to, you know, glean things. And, you know, I'm always of the perspective, like, uh, in order to understand any concept or anything in life, like, you want to get as much, like, as many perspectives as you can, right? And then because you, you know, with that, um, the more information, the more perspectives you have, the better, uh, if you're able to break it all down, the better understanding that you'll have of a particular topic or situation, and then you'll be able to uh, execute certain things better, right? So uh, preparation, um, more information, and then also like strategically, um, I think, I think I had a better idea going into things like from a strategy aspect of it this year, but I think it, it ties into the uh, preparation and information aspect. And so like there's certain things like uh, in terms of my process of like how to kind of uh, the checklist of, of how I want to do things. Because I, I think coming into this year, although that process has been better, it was still a little jumbled. Like it wasn't refined, right? So I think now uh, with certain things that I've experienced that I'm like, all right, so I need to do, I'm, I want to do this, 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 and then kind of have it more structured so that um, so that in terms of like the paths that I go down, like they'll be much more clear. Because mm -hmm. before it was kind of a little too jumbled. And so it made certain things uh, more difficult than it had to be, I think. Whereas now when I think about certain things of how like I want to structure things, like it'll be a lot cleaner and a lot easier. Um, but yeah, at, at the end of the day, and I think this is one thing um, that I got from, you know, Wong, you know, was basically like, yeah, man, I mean, the dude just has a hand on everything, every little piece of information. Like it's, you know, like, and th that's, you know, that's one of the reasons, not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why he's so good, right? Like, you know, I, you know, like Rocco, he put up this huge thread that like his thoughts yeah. on every team and it was an awesome thread, right? But you know, one thing in there was like, yeah, you know, you know, about Zach Levine, right? And he was like, yeah, Wong was like, yeah, he lost a step last year, right? But I didn't listen to him, right? But, you know, little minute things like that, like that little piece of information, right? Um, like it, it, it's huge, right? And you know, like even from this coming into this year, like just being able to, I guess, delve more into like the information aspect and it just like now I, you know, I feel like more like NSA, like I just, you know, I just want to throw shit out there, collect as much information as I can and then kind right. of filter from there. Right. But, you know, I did, I did notice, you know, like there were little tidbits here and there that I didn't think were really important at the time when I read them, but then later, right. When, you know, just say like, like little things stuck in my head. I'm like, oh shit, right? That's that actually might be, you know, kind of valuable, right? And so, yeah. Um, yeah so I think those are the main things. Um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully that answers your question. No, it do it definitely does. It sounds like one of the things that I struggle with um, is something that is applicable here too. Just like I find that I get kind of rigid in my thought of like I think that I, I think that I understand how situations play out or um, I have a certain perspective on a player and, and then that sort of crystallizes in my mind and I build an entire sort of like thesis or idea or concept around that. Um, and then like things can, A, I can be just wrong. 
yeah. and B, like things can change. You know, these are all these are all things that are dynamic. They're yeah. in flux all the time. And so being able to take in new information, understand whether or not it's valid, apply it as needed. Um, you know, and some things, you know, some things are false positives. Some things are, are not as they appear to be. And, you know, you fall victim to timing or what you were saying earlier, like whiplash. I feel like, I feel like I really struggled, um, in years past of, of chasing, of chasing, uh, the last performance or having a hard time seeing the bigger picture of like, you know, is this person really moving into a new role? Um, someone like bowl bowl, you know, like it's a, we had a sort of concept of who this player was because we had a couple of years worth of data. Um, and you know, he went undrafted in a lot of Raz jam teams. Those are like 25 round leagues. Like, Turns out, you know, yeah. situations change. He's developed. He's been given a different opportunity. Uh, you know, like the whole situation is is moving still. And so, you know, if you were like me and of the opinion, just like, well, this guy can't play. You know, he's too small. Or he's not too small. He's too skinny. Um, you know, where does it fit? You know, there's a million other forwards and guard and centers in front of in front of him. There's going to be no opportunity there. Like you can. That means you missed out. You know. Um, but being able to be reactive and, and able to adapt things appropriately as they come, like it's a real skill. Um, it's definitely something that I fall victim to still, but I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at it. I think that comes from preparation too, of just like having a firmer understanding of, of what is possible or where these things could go and just experience in general, just like, you know, I'm going to remember what happened to Bull Bull now <laughs> yeah. going forward. You know, like I don't know, I don't know who the next player that will sort of fit into that mold will be of like you know, a sort of talented, uniquely positioned kind of player who didn't get the opportunity because of whatever reason and finds himself in a new spot. Like I'll be, a, my mind will be hopefully more open to the potential of a of Bull Bull the second or Bull Bull Bull. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think a lot of that makes sense. I, I, uh, and I think it's good to be self-reflective and investigative and trying to get to the bottom of, of you know, where you are and where you're going, you know. Like I said, the rigidity of thought is definitely something that I've struggled with. So yeah, no, I, hear I hope you. you feel better, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. It's, it's uh, you know, we always have to be open to, to new information. Um, just hearing you talk, like, couple of things you know came into my head uh, one you know I think playing daily fantasy really helped me out with like kind of um, identify not identifying but like figuring out like roles like like or how it affects like the, the matrix you know if, like this player's out then obviously this person gets usage but then it also affects this person you know whatever this player blah 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 and I, so I think I've been better with that um, I think the, the main thing for me though and, and I think this is why, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like in terms of macro, like, um, you know, just preparation and just, you know, getting as much information as possible was because, you know, I was thinking about how, like, I was thinking about preparing for this season mm. and like, you know, doing projections and rankings. And, and, and this also ties into like where I'm not 100% firm on my process with projections, right? So there's mm -hmm. there's there was some doubt in, in terms of rankings and things like that. And 
um, and then you know that ties into preparation so like you know I did realize like you know when I was ranking you know certain players like it you know like it wasn't wasn't like fully confident right and and I think because of that um, I got kind of uh, pushed by the whim of the consensus yeah right and, and, and that's such a dangerous thing and you know that's one thing I realized with um, you know talking to Jenneke and, and Wong it's like because they're trying to look for those players that are gonna exceed ADP by a few whatever rounds right so they're digging in and then once they identify then they're planting the flags right and then so you know to them they don't really care about consensus right they're mm -hmm. just like let me identify particular types of players right and I think you know like like Wong has his you know Roto Evil you know page and I think that's like his his main mantra right was to identify those players like that's and like you know when I thought about it, it makes sense like like how are you gonna get an edge right how are yeah. you going to be better than everyone else like if you're just gonna go by consensus rankings and things like that like that's whatever right but to truly you know like differentiate yourself right and 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 it's kind of funny right because like you know when like when i trade like i'm very anti-consensus right because i'm i'm more con i'm probably more contrarian right because you know i did realize like sometimes like the herd is stupid sometimes right or most yeah. of the time right and like you don't want to follow the herd unless you're like doing like momentum type type stuff right but you know especially for fantasy like to really get an edge like you want to identify uh, those teams and I think Rocco did a pretty good job in his his little thread there right when he was talking about like Kate Cunningham like the hype and you know like Okongu right so I was thinking about Kong mm -hmm. Okongu and we talked about this a, a few pods ago in terms of like uh, having an idea and a thought and then being anchored to it yep. even though when certain information is shown right so you know like my thesis for kind of Okongu was like yeah the minutes will be split down the middle right and they eventually you know whatever capella or or i actually latched onto the idea that like the hawks really wanted to get okongo on the floor right mm. and then from there i kind of manufactured this thing like yeah the minute they'll split the minutes right like i i went fucking galaxy brain right when i didn't have to go galaxy brain when like and you know this ties into like the utah jazz situation right yeah, Clarkson is going to get traded. Conley's going to get traded, whatever, right? And then these yeah. guys are going to fill a role. And we're like fucking, like, you know, speculating on and galaxy bringing shit when, you know, the information is right in front of our face, right? Right. Conley's still there. Clarkson is still there. They were talking about how they don't want to trade Clarkson. But yet, even with all that information, right, it's still like, oh, yeah, this fucking guy is going to get hey, whatever. And, you know, and the Okongo one is really, like, I really thought about that one a lot, right, because I really kind of forced it. And also the whim of consensus too, right, because so many other people were on there. So, I'll, you know, that's the danger of, like, you know, I, I'm sorry to take this another way, but, you know, it's my mind all, you know, already went to crypto. Like, if you look at all the crypto shit that's happening, right, and, mm. like, a lot of these firms didn't do due diligence, right? Obviously, right? And if they did do due diligence, it would have been easy, like, to yeah. identify it, right? But I think the danger of it is, like, and, and that's why, like, a lot of these, 
scams and whatnot are so potent and why they spend so much money on advertising and things like that or getting celebrity endorsements because a lot of people get attached to the idea of like if fucking Tom Brady's doing it then it must be good type of thing or if you know Joe Schmo who's a hedge fund manager you know you're at a party this guy runs billions of dollars and then you know you're like talking to him and he's, and he's endorsing it then you're like automatically oh well it must be good right and yeah. then people get attached and they they get you know val validity from extraneous reasons which are stupid reasons to, to, to be it but if you really just dug in and, and just you know read you know whatever the 10 cues or whatever did your due diligence you would have seen it is light and day right it's just right there in front yeah. of your face right so um yeah there's yeah. a lot of um there's a lot of like uh uh inventing the story so that your your idea will be supported it fits, you know yeah. so you make it fit yeah yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna bend these pieces yeah. into the spot where like you end up being right, or your team ends up winning, or you end up making a bunch of money on uh, speculation. Um, you know, when you're talking about a Kongwu, a lot of what you were saying reminded me of that that 30 team startup that we did this summer. Okay. Because I remember, I remember distinctly uh, one of the like the periods where I just didn't have any money. I was just like watching the board turn over and, and you and I were chatting and I was just like, I felt like I had figured out um, where where the next rounds of money was going to be spent. And it was because of what you were talking about of like um, consensus and like popular opinion. And so like players like Akongwu or Vanderbilt or Jaden McDaniels or like there were like a bunch of, there's like a bucket of players coming into this year that sign up everyone had tagged as like this will be a spot for them this will be a place where it really work um and or like james wiseman was another one of those players in my mind I'm just like the hype is hot people want people believe that the warriors are a smart organization they don't want to believe that a mistake was made at the number two pick um we're gonna ride with the the quote smart people here and like spend $20 on buying James Wiseman and whether or not that's a good buy or not, like remains to be seen. Right. There's still time. Um, but you could definitely see that sort of like wisdom of crowds sort of behavior coming into effect there. Um, and so, yeah, like what, during that time when I, when I was sitting out and I didn't have any money, I was like, well, we'll nominate Jalen Smith then. Cause I know, because I know that I want him, which means I bet at least, seven other people in this group of 30 also have heard similar things that I've heard and are trying to, to, to do things a very similar way. And so, yeah, if you're able to like do it like these other players are who are making their identifications ahead of time and sticking to them and not being moved off those positions, uh, it allows you to sort of zig when other people are zagging. You know, you can, or at least you can, you know, if you had sort of identified one of those players previously and you could see the rest of how the rest of the room is reacting to it. You could understand that like, this is not going to be a position where I'm going to get that value of like a round or two worth because they're going to make me pay for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's all sort of relevant. It's all very, I think it all sort of ties together nicely. I hope, 
I hope it makes sense to other people too. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I mean <laughs> I'll be interested uh, to, to listen to this one again because it was a, it was definitely a rant. But I I feel like there was some stuff you know in there, uh, that that's definitely helpful. I mean, at least when you know when I was thinking about it, it seemed like it was helping me. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, I know I de- I definitely have a feeling of like um, I feel like I've had a hard time like articulating myself recently. I've been in a, in a bit of a fog, and so. Um, sort of talking your way into a point. Um, but I also think there's value in like getting other perspectives. And so, um, with that in mind, um, and referencing Jaden McDaniels and one of our, one of the, the, the sort of dog-eared players for, uh, this year who it, it's not, it's not great. <laughs> uh, looking at his overall numbers, he, um, I meant to talk about him last week and then we kind of got sidetracked. Um, but he is, you know, he was one of those guys that was kind of pegged as um, a future or a, a breakout candidate this year. Uh, Basketball Monster presently has him as the 86th uh, best player, which I guess is is better than where you probably drafted him. He seemed like it'd be around a pick 100 kind of guy. Um, the usage is still down he's using his use rate is 15 percent um and the positive value that he's generating for your teams are field goals uh steals and blocks um and so you know i'm wondering i'm wondering what your read is on mcdaniels you know he's playing 30 minutes a game now he's starting there's weird oh the timberwolves are bizarre um, I have a lot of like Timberwolves thoughts at the moment, um, but you know I keep on I'm, I'm rostering him in a on a rebuilding team. And I keep on looking at his box scores, waiting for more stuff to happen, um, and I'm wondering if this is a guy where, you know, speaking of like bowl bowl and patience and being, you know, allowing these players enough time to sort of develop. Like, what are you what are you thinking about? Jaden McDaniels in present tense, and then also sort of looking forward. Yeah, I, I like Jaden McDaniels. Um, I think if you had the expectations of him being like a twenty percent usage guy and, and that type of stuff, then I think maybe the expectations were a little unwarranted. Um, mm-hmm. I actually think that he's doing pretty much what I expected. I mean, he's a one-one-one player right now, right? Yeah. So, uh, for me, it was mainly the steals and the blocks. Um, and then, you know, I think the rebounds are a little light, but I, that makes sense, right? With Cat and, and Gobert there. So for me, he's actually been pretty much what I expected. Going forward, I actually do think there's upside, right? Because, you know, athletically, I mean, he's a freak, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certain things that are unteachable, right? That he possesses. And I have seen in the past where, you know, he has shown like offensive, like creative ability, right? Whether it be like crossing over guys or, you know, driving to the rim. Um, I still think it's not as developed as we want it to be, but I've seen flashes, right? So I think his upside is there. Yeah. Um, But, you know, as it currently stands, um, I think he's been fine. But I guess it just really comes down to what your expectations were going into the season. Um, So obviously, you know, if you expected more, then maybe he's been a little disappointing, right? Uh, in terms of Minnesota from a macro perspective, like, yeah, I mean, there's some issues there, right? And 
but you know the thing is it's only been 17 games right less than 20 mm-hmm. games right so like you know i mean they did a pretty big trade right i mean bringing in gobert yeah. is huge yeah, it's so a new team. you know it's gonna take time for them on both you know the defense and the offensive ends to kind of figure out you know what they're gonna do like one of my my big reasons was like everybody was focused on cat um but you know it was like anthony edwards like how would it affect edwards right and I mean, he's been balling at some times, but like, you know, shots at the rim and things like that, you know, they're definitely down, right? So everybody's, I think they're just figuring out how to work with him, right? And I don't think it's an easy thing, right? Spacing and just all that stuff. So I think as they play more and as they kind of figure out, you know, the sweet spots of everybody and kind of gel together, I think that situation will get better. Um, So yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts and what your expectations were uh, for Jaden like coming into the season. Yeah, I think you know the defensive stats were definitely what what, what the attraction was. I know that he was a big time prospect too. Uh, he was like one of those highly regarded high school players. And I, when I was looking into his numbers last week. Um, one of the the final notes that I had was like, is he just like a better version of Herb Jones? And I I don't think that's actually that great of a comp. I mean, obviously the defensive stats are are uh, in a sort of similar build, but one of the things the the sort of inciting incident for why I wanted to talk about Jaden McDaniels was last week I was watching a a Wolves game against the Cavs, okay. and it was during the Cavs like four or five game losing streak. Um, and it looked like Minnesota was just like actively trying to find ways to give it away. Mm. Um, and Jade McDaniels, uh, he, I, if I remember the sequence correctly, he like missed a shot, uh, missed a bad shot, committed a foul after the defensive rebound and then got teed up after the ref hit him with a foul. Just like, it was really obviously like a young frustration player mistake. Um, and that kind of stuff is really still happening for him. Like he's fouled out of five games this season or four games this season. He's had four or more fouls seven times. Like he just can't get out of his own way. And so the fact that he's able to produce these kinds of defensive stats, despite sort of running into all of these fouls and, you know, I, I think that there's, there was probably more offensively. I, I'm encouraged by the fact that the field goal percentage is going up um, as he's kind of like putting it all together. But, you know, I, I was thinking about him sort of like the way that people have been thinking about De'Aaron Fox. I'm just like, you can see it. You know, when you watch him play, it's very obvious the kinds of things that he's capable of doing defensively. Um, and just looking at his pedigree as a scorer, um, you know, at lower levels, like I feel like it just hasn't quite clicked for him yet. Um, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic about him long term, but I don't know, man. The the Utah or the the Minnesota thing is it feels kind of strange. It feels kind of poisoned right now. Yeah, yeah, no, they're definitely having problems. I mean, let's not forget he's only 22 years old. Right, exactly. So, you know, it, it takes. It takes players a while. Like it took Fox years, right, yeah. to get to where he's at, right? There, I mean, it was to the point where a lot of people were writing him off, mm-hmm. right? And, and look at him now, right? So, you know, obviously, you know, things change and situations change and things like that. But um, he's still very, very young, very, very raw. So, 
uh, in terms of you know things like that fouling and I, I think those are things that you can get better at with experience uh, so I'm not too done but I mean man I mean 610 6'9 6'10 7-foot wingspan mm-hmm. you know like yeah he athletically he's very agile can jump I mean it's there's it, a lot of potential there uh, I think he's much better than Herb Jones I agree with you yeah um, I just think he has more, uh, I guess, offensive upside than Herb Jones. Um, and, you know, I, I do think the Timberwolves situation will get better as the season progresses. You know, it's just, I, I just feel like it just takes time, you know, for, for things to gel. So, yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, the other guy that I wanted to talk about with Minnesota is Rudy Gobert. Um, he's a... a Rudy Gobert is the the little Dutch boy with his finger in the dam for my Raz Jam team. Right? <laughs> that that whole like oh who, who needs a cent who needs a second center to have Rudy is um, collapsing, um, and you know it's I, I was I I've been looking at his box scores over the last couple of weeks and it's really not very encouraging. Yeah. Um, the overall stuff is okay. You know, I, I took Rudy, like, pick 25, I think, 24, 25, something like that. He's presently 39th in 9-cat. Um, the points and assists were negative categories that are getting worse this year. Um, steals, and surprisingly, his free throw percentage is not so bad. It's actually getting better. He's shooting, like, 70% from the line, which isn't great, but, like, considering the real like just like catastrophes that you can draft at the center position like 70 percent sounds just fine so those are trying Look at, have you seen yaka Purtle? oh my god he's like 22 percent or something it's ghastly <laughs> like it, it's like so sincerely frightening what he's doing um, but what's happening with rudy is that you know you drafted him i drafted him i always do this second person like some theoretical you right, right, right. like, no Joel you're my friend this. my friend <laughs> i drafted him because right. i needed the blocks i needed yeah. the rebounds i need the field goal percentage and those are the things that that he's supposed to be like rock solid at and all three of those things are trending down in minnesota um and i was i was trying to figure out why and there's some really curious things that i i stumbled on as far as rebounds and blocks, like I think the scoring coming down makes sense just because it's D'Lo, it's Edwards, it's McDaniels, it's Cat. Like, you know, he Rudy was not the featured guy in Utah, but he definitely uh, he was getting more touches uh, than um, than what he was doing in uh, in Minnesota presently. But the the rebounding numbers are really strange. So. So last year, the rebounding, the offensive rebounding rate for the Timberwolves was 24.5%, which was seventh in basketball. And their defensive rebounding rate, now that they've added, uh, or excuse me, their offensive rebounding rate this year has gone down with Rudy Gobert there. Uh, and the same thing is true with their defensive rebounding. Last year, their defensive rebounding rate was 74.8, which is 24th in basketball. It was a real spot of deficiency for them. They bring in Rudy Gobert, who's leading the league in total rebounds. 
and their defensive rebounding rate has gone down to 73.9%, which is 25th in basketball. Like, I don't understand how you, it's a deficient rebounding team. It's a team that used to hit the offensive glass really hard, and now they're rebounding worse by adding the best rebounder in basketball. I, I Make it make sense. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is maybe their defense is, is worse, whereas Utah was, mm-hmm. you know, played pretty good defense, so there's fewer uh, missed shots, right, to, to collect. And uh, I haven't, I didn't actually check. I probably should have done that. But, I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of right now. I can pull that up, actually. Yeah. Um, so their defensive, their adjusted defensive rating um, is hard to find under pressure. 16th in basketball. Uh, they're giving up 112 points per possession. Uh, and last year, they were 13th, giving up 111 and a half points per possession. So the defense is actually about the same. What about what about uh, Utah? What was Utah? Uh, Utah was near the. They were up there, right? Utah last year was one spot better than Minnesota. One spot, okay. So one eleven, twelfth in basketball this year. Uh, out of just curiosity, the Jazz have gotten better defensively. Um, oh no, I'm sorry, they've gotten worse defensively. Give yeah. 113 points, 22nd in basketball. So, whatever is going on in Minnesota, um, adding Rudy's rebounds is not helping. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, what's um? Can do you have you had the page up right? What's like opponent field goal percentage with uh in, in Minnesota this year? Minnesota this year is um. The effective field goal percentage is actually pretty good. It's seventh. Uh, opponents are shooting 52.4%. Um, okay. Their their defense at the rim also is um, is good. It's top ten. Um, so that's working. Um, they're they're giving up a lot of threes. Uh, 55% on e on e three point percentage, um, which is eighth worst in basketball so it seems like the uh, sort of top level diagnosis of the defense in minnesota is that um they're doing an okay job at the rim and uh they're trying to be the bucks the, the old school bucks just... <laughs> good, good luck to them they should have they should have traded for brooke lopez <laughs> I know, seriously um yeah it, it, it's definitely it's interesting what's going on with rudy i i um I looked at the block rate, too. The block rate has inexplicably gotten worse. Uh, they're 10th in basketball now with a block rate of 10%. Last year, 11.2%. They were, they were the second-best team for block rate in basketball. Um, it just doesn't seem like it's it's clicking very well up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it kind of... This was another thing that, you know, when I was thinking about going on my my little walks over the last week or so uh you know different situations right mm-hmm. like a lot of players moved right a lot of situations changed and sometimes we kind of we kind of automatically assume this is what the player did in the past and that exact same production is going to you know translate to the new you know new team so i mean case in point uh with like Rudy right he's had these stats in Utah you know, is we can pencil, you know, plug and play. Minnesota is going to be happening, but 
you know, we have to remember like different scheme, different players, different teammates, um, right? I mean, just you know, one little like difference. Sorry, one little difference can you know change a lot of things, right? So I mean, I, I mean, we're trying to identify exactly what it is. Like we don't know, but the simple fact of like that there is change, right? means that we shouldn't automatically <clears throat> assume that his stats from the past are going to be the same because it's it's a different situation right yeah. like they may be similar they they could be better whatever but you know and that's one thing that I was thinking that I didn't take into account well I mean I I factored it in for sure but it's something that I need to dig in more in the future right mm -hmm. and you know even with like uh you know Donovan Mitchell like you know, going to Cleveland, right? I mean, there were certain assumptions that I made there, right, that kind of affected my outlook on both Garland and, you know, Mitchell and Evan Mobley, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about Evan Mobley a lot, you know, obviously, you know, John T. Murray, you know, Atlanta. So um, it kind of ties back to, like, your question earlier, like, yeah, I need to prepare more. I need to have more information. I need to think about things more, think about situations more and how, like, you know, little things, like, you know, if, this one little thing is off. How does that affect like the whole matrix, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah obviously, something is going up, uh, going on. Um, don't know what. Like, what's your? I mean, you, you know, you dug in and brought out all the stats. Do you have like kind of like uh, a gut feel of what's going on? And like, do you are you hopeful for you know improvement going forward? Um. So I mean, I'm optimistic about. Um, some of the offense coming back for Rudy. I think that the fact that the um, the free throws are going up is a, is just like a, a a good thing in general. But one thing that um, that I saw when I was looking at this, and it, it ties in nicely with your idea of just like little things mattering. Um, last year, Rudy Gobert shot 74% at the rim. Uh, the year before that, it was 71%. The year before that, it was 72%. The year before that, it was 70%. Uh, in all four of those instances, that's 91st percentile or better. Um, okay. And he was one of the really elite finishers at the rim. Right. Makes a lot of sense, a lot of lobs, a lot of stepbacks. Yeah. He's a huge human being. This year, he's shooting 66% at the rim, which you know, 5% down from one of those, huge. those bad years, that's 66th percentile. Like it makes such a big difference sure. about, uh, you know, where that scoring is coming from. Um, he's seeing the ball more now in Minnesota than he was during the last two years in Utah. It just seems like it's, they're figuring out how to play with each other, you know, like, sure. especially with those quotes that Edwards had the other week about like, doing these driving lanes and they're, they're big guys in the way now. And there used to be a uh, sort of clearer runway for them. It's like, it feels, it feels kind of muddy and, and really jumbled together. And, um, you know, talk to Donovan Mitchell about like how hard it is to play offense with Rudy Gobert's big French ass in the way, you know, he's, he's definitely someone you got to sort of accommodate for. And so, you know, the, the fact that the rebounding numbers are still pretty strong, the shooting, he's seeing the ball more, the shooting is slightly down, but like it's not so dramatically down that it, it can't come back up. Um, the free throws coming back, like I think he'll, I think he'll be okay. The blocks, 
I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't, the, the discrepancy in block rate is, is very strange to me, but I, um, I'll probably watch some more Minnesota games here soon and, and really get it figured out, um, or try to at least, um, but yeah, that, that's my read on Rudy. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, and you know, this is tough, right? Because sample size is still very small, but yet, right. It's getting close to 20 games, right? So uh, it's it's definitely a, a fine balancing act there. Um, you know, these are things that we shouldn't dismiss. I do lean towards them and Rudy, you know, figuring it out. Um, but I mean, you know, maybe they don't. <laughs> it's it's that's yeah, well within yeah. you know that's well within the range of of outcomes, right? Like things could just shit could just hit the fan and you know do start throwing the ball at, at each other's face. You know, like you never know, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, D'Lo could get well, traded. You know, seen, I mean, someone, you know, like things could happen. So, and we've seen things be combustible in Minnesota. Like, you know, the the most successful team they had was when Jimmy Butler was there, and like, how did that end? You know, um, so it's there's no there's no promise that it's going to get better. But you know, you look at the the longer track record, and like, I just I believe that the you know the the things that Rudy is not presently delivering on are the things that he's great at. And so I'm going to bet on track record here. Not that I have a, a choice. Like I've drafted Rudy. <laughs> it's not a trade league. Like this is what it is. But um, yeah, I'm just going to it out. Yeah, I, I lean towards that way too. Uh, just because I feel like um, I think NBA coaches are a lot better at making adjustments you know, and figuring out strengths and weaknesses uh, compared to, like, football. Like, I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, they adjust, but sometimes, you know, some guys just get so stuck in their ways, whereas, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like basketball, like, the coaches are a little bit better in that regard. So uh, I do think that, you know, they will figure it out. But um, I, I do have to interject here and kind of put you on blast here. Uh-oh. The Jimmy Butler Minnesota teams were the best. I mean, we're forgetting the KG Starberry. No, I'm, I meant of like the 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 cat era. Like, oh, okay. set, all right, fair, post, fair. I was about to say, I was like, cat. oh man. No, no, no. <laughs> um, although, like those those Timberwolves teams weren't exactly drowning in glory either. But um, uh, Western Conference you know. Finals, right? They went to Western Conference Finals, right? Well, yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Um, but yeah, just like mostly thinking about like this, this modern era of what yeah, yeah. Timberwolves basketball has looked like. It's been, you know, they were galvanized by Pat Beverly. Like that, that wasn't a team that had like a lot of like leadership structures in place or like, this is how we do things up here. How we get results. Like it's, it's a franchise that's in search. No, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I we we've talked about this before, but it, you know, that that whole Jimmy Butler cat thing, I mean, that really exposed cat. You know, I mean, he's a great player, but like, I mean, man, I, I like I don't think that dude could lead a team to a championship, right? Like, right? I mean, if you, you know, I mean, Jim Butler, yeah, he exposed him, right? He exposed him, and that, yeah. that's yeah. that's tough, and. I kind of it, it kind of goes to your point like yeah maybe there are some kind of uh hierarchical uh dynamics in play here right because i think 
I think Cat still views himself as the alpha, whereas mm-hmm. I think it's pretty apparent that Anthony Edwards is the alpha. So maybe like you know, there's still some stuff going on there in terms of like trying to figure it out. I I don't know. I mean, there's also obviously scheme and you know Rudy Gobert fit stuff you know in there yeah, as well. Yeah. But um, but you know like who's the leader, right? Like if if they're still trying to figure out who the alpha is, right? Whereas like a guy like Pat Bev, right? Like he's in there. He's the hyena that's like right, 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 and kind of he takes on that role, right? But yeah. you know like. They don't have that kind of guy, so I mean, if there's no defined alpha in any pack, that's a problem, right? And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I think I also heard a lot recently, or at least this year, about Edwards is that uh, he came in heavy, like he right. um, he had not taken the off season very seriously, and um, you know, explosiveness was down. He's a bit sluggish. Um, making jokes at the press conferences about yeah, how much Popeyes. he enjoys oh, yeah. Popeyes and fried yeah. fried chicken. I'm like, yeah, yeah, me too, but I'm not, I'm also not leading the Timberwolves to a championship. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, okay. So we're, we're up against an hour here before yeah. we go. I want to get your read on something because okay. we've talked a lot about it. The Timberwolves, we've yeah. talked a lot about um, remaining flexible in our thought. Um, and so about an hour before this podcast uh, was scheduled, we, I, um, got a trade offer in a 14-team dynasty league that I'm in. Um, I took over a sort of abandoned team last year that is really bad. Um, and we are still bad. We are bad by design this year. Okay. Um, and the best... So the we're we're doing the teardown. We're tanking for for Victor Wembanyama. Um, the team is made up of promising players that are not helping me win games now. Like, apparently, evidently, they're the perfect team for tanking. Uh, Dyson Daniels, Nikola Jovic, Quentin Grimes, AJ Griffin, Jake Laravia, uh, Jalen Williams, Jaden McDaniels. Um, I drafted Chet Holmgren with the first overall pick this summer because, again, we're trying to be bad. It's like getting a second first-round pick next year. Um, But the two – the reason that I joined – that I agreed to take over this team is because there are two stars. One, of course, is my my forever love, Scotty Barnes. Um, And the other is Evan Mobley. And so – since I've joined this league, I've gotten a lot of offers for either Barnes or Mobley. I've always turned them down because my thinking now is we're building. Those are the guys, they're young. Uh, the upside is really high. These are the guys that you tank to draft for. If you have them, you don't trade them, especially because I'm not going to be able to trade Scotty Barnes into my way into like being a playoff team or a contender. Um, Trying to take the long view with this. And so with that in mind, I've been sort of shopping Jaden McDaniels, mostly because I feel like he's useful to uh, teams that are competing now, whereas I'm not necessarily trying to do that. His timeline is okay. He's still a young player who would match up with Barnes, Mobley, Chet. Um, but he's a couple years older, so I was initially trying to flip him for um, 
Fratari Eason. Just like we same similar type of player. We just kicked this thing back a couple of years. Okay. Um, and that owner is not biting on that, but he has countered with a two for two deal of Eason and Anthony Edwards for McDaniels and Evan Mobley. And my gut said no, because we're not going to trade Mobley on pretty much any circumstances. And the longer that I've thought about it, I feel like the discussion really now hinges on whether or not I think Mobley or Edwards has the higher ceiling. And I'm starting to feel myself be pulled towards the Edwards wow. uh, side. Wow, interesting. Okay, let me hear the let me hear the thinking there. So part of it is I think that this is a really you know, this is about as bad as a first couple of months that Anthony Edwards could have. You know, this is a guy that was getting pushed up into the top 30, top 25 okay. during uh, draft season. I didn't take him in any of those spots. I thought I wanted to see him prove it. Um, he has not proven it so far. So I feel like this is a bit of a buy low on Edwards. Um, and the other thing is that the way that this team has been, my team at this point, has been built with Barnes and Holmgren and uh, McDaniels and Mobley is it's a lot of defense. They're, the blocks and steals seem to be taken care of. Looking up and down this roster, I'm not sure where the scoring comes in. And so getting a player like Anthony Edwards would be access to a 30-point-per-game potential score that I don't know if I have that guy on the roster now. I don't think Evan Mobley is going to be that guy, nor do I necessarily think that Scotty Barnes is going to be that guy. And so it's a it's a path to a different category that I kind of feel locked out of right now. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. Um, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, I guess initially, both Barnes and Wolf. Well, I'll start with Barnes. He may not be a 30, you know, 30 point per game score, but I think somewhere in the 20s mm-hmm. is definitely viable. For sure. Um, Mobley, I think the same. Uh, and I just remember uh, last year, Wong, in the Athletic article, you know, he basically was like, yo, Mobley is the closest thing to Kevin Garnett that we've seen since Kevin Garnett. Yo. <laughs> Damn, right, <laughs> right, and and like, fuck, <laughs> like that's a that's a wicked combination. Yeah, you don't right? want to trade that guy, you know. Yeah, and and I think you know just if we rewind this pod like ten minutes ago, right? Is Anthony Edwards that dude? Mm. Right, I mean, he's coming in out of shape, right? Flaunting eating Popeyes, right, and it's like. When I compare that to, you know, if I watch like or listen to, you know, Kobe Bryant videos, right? Kobe ain't doing that shit, right? And like, so, but that's real life basketball, yeah. right? Yeah. Fantasies, it's a little different because numbers are numbers, but in a way, it kind of shows like, like where the mentality is, right? So like, if somebody is truly dedicated to his craft, right? They're gonna do. They they live and breathe and and eat and sleep basketball. So then inherently, uh, their developmental kind of arc 
you can feel pretty good about which direction and where it's gonna head. Yeah. If you have like that that type of mentality. If it's someone that's not on that level, like it's tough to envision like the ceiling outcome, right, coming into play, right. Um, but the dude's a bucket getter, right? So I get it, and and hugely athletic, uh, which sometimes kind of scares me actually. Yeah, right? I know when, that one. Yeah, yeah, you know, like a lot of times, like for example, okay, well, we'll I mean. This is not an apples to apples comparison, but like Scotty Barnes versus Anthony Edwards. Whereas, I mean, Scotty Barnes is athletic, but he's not like Anthony Edwards athletic. Yeah, it's right? not explosive so, jumping out the gym. Yeah, well. you know, so and like already, you know, his weakness was was the jump shot, right? I mean, he's huge wingspan, right? But like, you know, he's able to, he's a three level scorer. Maybe not as, not as good as Anthony Edwards at this point because his jumper is not on that level. But like, you know, over the summer he really developed and worked on his, you know, mid-range post game, you know, back to the basket game, worked on a jumper. Uh, so he is not dependent upon athleticism, whereas Anthony Edwards kind of skews that way. I mean, his jumper mm-hmm. is nice, right? So he's not like completely, you know, right, like out of it. But so he, I mean, he's a three-level scorer too. But I guess it comes down to like if you know, he was to lose some of his athleticism, then what kind of player is he? Right? Um, and then, you know, I mean, uh, all I can hear, and <laughs> this may go, this ties into our earlier conversation too, right? Once you have a thought in your head, like, you know, beware of anchoring it to it, mm-hmm. like anchoring to that thought. With that said, when I hear he's the closest thing to KG since KG, it's fucking hard to get that out of my head, yeah. <laughs> you know. And um, I remember over the summer when I was doing projections, you were really hyped for the Emma Mobley pro- projections. I remember, and like, um, you know, I was a little, I wasn't as uh, optimistic, I guess, just because, um, you know, the presence of Donovan Mitchell, you know. This Darius Garland, you know, defensive. There's Jared Allen. Like a lot of times, like his defensive prowess is with Allen off the court when he's playing center. But let's not. I mean, he's super young still. Yeah. Right? So like, I mean, he should get better. And just watching him, man, watching him this year, like, I mean, you can you can see the potential, right? So, uh, it's tough. I mean, I think you know which way <laughs> I lean, but I do I do understand why it has given you pause yeah, yeah. Um, I, I i mean it makes sense it makes sense so um are you still leaning towards edwards you know i so i don't think i'm gonna do it in this moment right now i'm still saying no and i and i think what is factoring into that for me is that you know if if this goes well, if, if like what my vision for how this team is constructed in the future comes to pass, we just get a big spoonful of shit and we just keep on eating shit all this year. Mm, the end of the first six, yes. it's, <laughs> it's Scotty, Mobley, Chet, Vic, McDaniels. Yeah, it's nasty. That could just be a punt 
points team. Yeah, points point. Yeah, that's all. You know, yeah. like instead of instead of trading away, because it's really you're really trading away two legs of the Steels blocks because that's McDaniel's too. You know, mm-hmm. and you get Easton back, and you'd think that like that's event that Easton and McDaniel's will sort of turn into similarly shaped players. Mm-hmm. But I already know what Jaden McDaniel's is. I already know what those defensive stats are he's bringing to the table. I'm just sort of waiting for the offense to come, which is sort of the same spot that I'm in with Mobley and Scotty. Is like give lean into these like defense first players, give them time to grow into scorers, um, and clean up these um, these defensive stats in the meantime. And like you know, we'll find points where we find points. Like eventually, you would like to think that that Evan and Scotty. Um, and like, who knows really what Jet is still, you know, like that's, that's a, an unknown component of this, but um, that's my thought now is like, I, and realistically, like, I think I could probably trade one of those guys for Anthony Edwards next year after I see what happens with this tank, you know, right. Right. I, I don't think that trade is going away. Agree. I, I agree. And, you know, I mean, you may be able to get someone better than Anthony Edwards. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, that, yeah, that I, was... I, I, I side with you on that one as well. I, well I, I think I'm there with you. And I wanted to, again, I wanted, in the spirit of talking about like being inflexible in thought, like, like I said, I saw that, that offer come through and I said, gut says no, because like anytime anyone is offering me anything for Evan Mobley this year, I'm saying no. Like It just doesn't make sense for me to do that. Um, but I didn't want to get too trapped in my own mind palace of this is how we're going to do it. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you know, there was a lot of Timberwolves talk. It felt, it felt like this was the time to, uh, to bounce this off of you. No, definitely, man. You were the, uh, the captain of the ship today. Uh, it was awesome. I think, I think you did a fantastic job. There is one thing, one topic I wanted to kind of broach on real quickly. What's up? Uh, and you talked about this two weeks ago and we're supposed to talk about it, but you know the whole the new clippers broadcast their aws stuff yeah um yeah i mean it looks pretty cool right for me i like a clean screen and anytime i play video games like i'm turning off everything i'm turning off the strike zone i'm, tu- I'm turning off all the help stuff i just want it clean and that's how i like watching you know like my basketball stuff but when i did see it like i do get it like it is kind of cool right I wouldn't want to watch a live game like that, though. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to. I, I, and maybe I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm old and uh, you know whatever old school. But I just I really enjoy clean screens. It just I, I love it. Um, if I was to watch like a replay of a game, and you know you have all that stat overlay mm-hmm. stuff, then I'll, I'm down with it. But live, yeah, I'm not. I'm not cool with it. Well, you like you like the clean screen too. I don't know if I like the clean screen necessarily. I, you know, I don't mind having information, but for those people who haven't seen it, for our many listeners who have perhaps not watched the Clippers home broadcast, what happens is um, they have like a little box in the corner that shows uh, the player's movements on the court. When the player, when the player who has the ball is moving towards the basket, there's a number over their head that shows the percentage or the likelihood of them being able to score from that position, given where they are and who they are and who's guarding them, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
I I don't like that because it feels too much like this is a computer simulation. Like, okay. but we the, are we are in a simulation, well, Joel. I understand it, but like, <laughs> let me let me keep dreaming. You know, um, the idea of like having a computer tracking, uh, having a number over someone's head of like this guy is going to make this shot forty seven percent of the time, um, kind of saps some of the like organic spontaneity, creativity. That is like fundamental to like what sports is about. I'm just like it's unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, and so to throw like, you know, Markeith Morris or is it Marcus Morris, whichever Morris brother right. has a 12% shot of making this, and then he made it. Like, just let me. I I can tell you that that was a bad <laughs> shot that he got lucky on. Like, I don't need Amazon to tell me that this is where where this is going. So I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah. It's not exactly how I want to do it though either. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, man. Uh, nice job today, Joel. Nice job today, Stan. Yeah, thank you, thank you again for uh, joining me. That was uh, it's always fun, man. Have a good uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. Are you traveling? No. Nice. No traveling. So we'll yeah we'll be around. So we'll be good. Um, what about you? You staying at home too? No, I'm getting in the car tomorrow. So. Oh, nice. Where are you guys headed? Uh, we're going down to Missouri to visit my father, and so we'll be. Okay. A little bit of a drive. we've got set up to the dog and we're doing laundry and you know it's all like day uh, day before prep so um, all right yeah i gotta go take a, a load out of the dryer but uh okay. so uh, enjoy your your holiday we'll catch you on the other side man definitely have a good one as well see you next week man take care dude cool later